I hate daylight savings time. It messes me up. It messes up my sleep patterns every spring, every fall. I don't understand why we're still doing it. It makes absolutely no sense. This is Sharon from Northern Virginia. We're already in daylight savings time seven months out of the year. We ought to just stay in daylight savings time. This is Grant in Ames, Iowa. Medical professionals emphasize how important it is to establish sleep routines. Daylight saving time disrupts that unnecessarily. We should change clocks zero times each year. Let's get a movement and get this stopped and give us consistent time throughout the year. This weekend marked the beginning of daylight saving time, for this year anyway. But there's a bill in Congress to make it permanent. That would mean never changing our clocks again. 19 states have already made it clear that they'd make the switch if Congress says okay. After the break, we'll discuss how this biannual ritual came about and whether we have any other options. I'm Chen White. You're listening to the 1A Podcast, where we get to the heart of the story. Remember to join future conversations, download our 1A Vox Pop app, and leave us a voicemail. We'll be back in just a moment. Support for NPR and the following message come from BetterHelp, offering online counseling. BetterHelp therapist Hesu Joe knows that lockdown has been hard on us as humans. We as people are hardwired to connect with others, which is why this whole time is so difficult. The connection that happens between people can be very powerful and how healing it can be to have a healthy relationship with someone. To get matched with a counselor within 48 hours and save 10%, go to betterhelp.com slash 1A. Support for NPR and the following message come from BetterHelp, offering online counseling. BetterHelp therapist Hesu Joe knows that lockdown has been hard on us as humans. We as people are hardwired to connect with others, which is why this whole time is so difficult. The connection that happens between people can be very powerful, and how healing it can be to have a healthy relationship with someone. To get matched with a counselor within 48 hours and save 10%, go to betterhelp.com slash 1A. Over this last year and a half, the world's been through a lot. So on this season of the StoryCorps podcast, we'll hear stories reminding us that even when times are hard, we can still begin again. Listen to our new season wherever you get your podcasts. We're talking about daylight saving time. And joining us from Boston is David Prerau. He's the author of Seize the Daylight, the curious and contentious story of daylight saving time. David, welcome. I'm glad to be here, Jan. Also with us is Dr. Beth Mallow. She's the director of the Sleep Division at Vanderbilt University Medical Center. Dr. Mallow, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Okay, and I just want to start with some definitions because I don't know about other people, but I always get super confused when we talk about daylight saving time. So currently, November to March is standard time. March to November is daylight saving time, and we're supposed to fall back at 2 a.m. this coming Sunday, November 7th, to return to standard time. So that's that's the lay of the lamb. Uh, but Dr. Mello, changing the clock is this twice-a-year ritual. How disruptive is it to our health? Well, I think it varies person to person, but We know that light is really, really important. Light wakes us up, gives us energy, gets us going. Believe it or not, the light we get in the morning helps us fall asleep easier at night. So if if it's dark when we wake up, and we're experiencing that now, many of us, at 7 in the morning, it's dark, it's going to interfere with our ability to get going and even to get the sleep we need at night. 
to feel good and feel healthy the next day. And we should mention here that standard time gives us more light in the mornings and less in the evening, while daylight saving time gives more light in the evening and less in the morning. Now, David, there's this popular idea that daylight saving time came from farmers, but is that true? It is absolutely false, and it somehow became a myth that a lot of people believe. But in fact, from the very beginning of the real first proposal of daylight saving time in the British Parliament in 1908, to the present, where it's still being debated around the world, farmers have always been the leading group against daylight saving time, not for it. So who came up with it in the first place? Well, the actual concept goes way back to Benjamin Franklin. In 1784, he was our ambassador to France, and uh, he used to go to these diplomatic events that would last all night and sleep late into the morning, into the noontime. And he realized one day when he woke up early and saw the sun shining that he could light his house for free with the sun. Instead, he had to pay for expensive and smoky candles to light his house in the evening. So he had the idea if people would wake up early or closer to sunrise, they can make better use of daylight. And that's the basic concept of daylight saving time, to move the clock in a way to make the best use of daylight. Now, DST didn't gain popularity around the world until World War I and World War II. What happened to cause it to become more popular? Well, what happened was that uh, Benjamin Franklin didn't propose changing the clocks. He, uh, he, but uh, the first person to actually propose changing the clocks was a man named George Vernon Hudson in New Zealand, 1895, but nothing ever came from that. So the person who led to the daylight saving time we have today is a man named William Willett, who lived outside of London in the early 1900s. And he proposed it to Parliament. He used to wake up early every morning and uh, go on an early morning horseback ride. He would see everybody else was sleeping, and it was a beautiful spring and summer morning. And he said, we're wasting this daylight, and then when we get home from work, we have one hour less, we have less hour less daylight in the evening. So wouldn't it be nice to move some of this morning daylight to the evening where we could make better use of it? And he proposed it in 1908 to Parliament in Britain. They rejected it, 1908, 1909, 1910, 1911, up to 1915 when he died. But then, and everybody thought it would stop, but then 1916 was the middle of World War I, and the Germans had heard of this British idea, and they decided to adopt it to save energy during World War I. Once the Germans adopted it, the British adopted it, uh, and it wound up almost every country in World War I on both sides adopted daylight saving time for the war effort to save energy and also for other reasons. It allowed people to do victory gardens, for example, when they came home from work at night. So uh, it was used, and that was when it started, in 1916 in Germany, and eventually spread around the world uh, in World War One. Dr. Mello, what exactly does being on daylight saving time in the summer mean for the sunlight we get? Do we get more than we otherwise would? We do. We do. The way I look at it is when we're on daylight saving time, we're getting less light in the winter and more light in the summer, or I should say light earlier um, you know, we're getting our light in the summer later than we normally would. And that can be disruptive to sleep. Think about our phones. We're told to turn off our phones because they have that blue light in them because we can interfere with sleep if we get too much of that blue light. Well, 
sunlight is blue light, lots of blue light. So when I lived in Michigan, it would be bright in the sky still. There'd still be light at 10 Mm p.m. And people would have to do fireworks on July 4th, like 9.30, 10, 10.30 to make sure it was dark. That's way too late for many people who are trying to get to sleep, especially if they have to get up early the next morning for work or school or something else. Yeah, as a, as a Michigander myself, I remember being called in uh, to come in and, uh, from, from playing outside when they were still light. And I'm like, but it's still light outside. We should be able to stick around for a little bit. Uh, David, you mentioned that many countries use daylight saving time, but are they all synced up when they change on when they change back and forth, like we're moving on, you know, this coming weekend, is it is it standardized around the world? No, it's not. Uh, Europe, uh, most of the European countries uh, standardized within Europe uh, a while ago, and for but for a long time they they each had each country different. But around the world, every country has different uh, uh, starting and ending days. And in fact, of course, you remember that we have daylight saving time in countries in the Southern Hemisphere. And so they have daylight saving time in our winter, their summer. So they they certainly are out of sync with anything that we would have, like Australia and New Zealand. They would have daylight saving time uh, starting about when we end. Joining us now from Golden Valley, Minnesota, is State Representative Mike Freiberg. He's a Democrat who represents a suburb of Minneapolis. Mike, welcome to the program. Thank you, Jen. It's great to be here. So you were behind a bill that passed this year that would put all of Minnesota on permanent daylight saving time as soon as Congress allows it. What prompted you to advocate for that change? Sure. Well, I have uh, two kids. They're 9 and 11 now, but I remember when uh, they were very young and we were trying to sleep train them. And, you know, we would just get to a point where they were sleeping for a consistent stretch and we were able and our sleep benefited from it. And then just for no discernible reason, uh, based in anything modern, uh, we would have to change the clocks one direction or another. And it was uh, was very frustrating for me. Um, So um, I personally don't have a preference between standard time or daylight saving time. However, my sense is more people prefer daylight saving time. So I introduced a bill. Basically, I just want to get rid of the clock changes. And I introduced a bill to move to uh, daylight saving time permanently and was lucky enough to have it passed this year. So you're really just looking for consistency in the time. Yes. And it does seem like uh, the trend is to move towards uh, daylight saving time permanently. As you noted at the outset, there are 19 other states, 19 states total, I should say, that have done this. Uh, There's a bill in Congress. There's bipartisan support uh, for permanent daylight saving time. So to me, it just seemed like we would be an outlier if we went the permanent daylight saving, the permanent standard time approach. Well, we got this tweet from Laurel who says, I grew up in Indiana without DST and I wish we could get rid of it. Twice a year jet lag for no good reason. Disruption in my kids' sleep schedules. Kids waiting in the dark at the bus stop. No thanks. Dr. Mallow, how does the time change affect children specifically? Well, children are really susceptible because of school. And even though there's movements to make school start later, a lot of schools are still starting at 7, 7.15, 7.30 a.m. So it's dark when when kids go to school right now. And that's why the standard time, moving back to standard time, would really help those kids because they would be 
driving to work, you know, I'm sorry, driving to school. The kids would be driving to school if they're teens or if they're younger, they'd be waiting in the school bus in the light rather than in the dark uh, in the winter. And that's really important for, especially for not just safety, but for them being alert in school and being able to get enough sleep at night if they're, you know, they need that light in the morning to get them to wake up, to be fully alert. And as I mentioned earlier, that morning light helps them go to sleep at a good hour so that they can be well-rested for school. Now, David, the U.S. actually tried year-round daylight saving time in the 70s. What happened? Well, I think this is one of the key points that uh, your listeners have to consider. This has been tried. So when we're talking about uh, using daylight saving time year-round, this is not something that has uh, that's theoretical. And people talk about the problems of the time change, which uh, is, is uh, as you know, in twice a year. But we're talking about the change of, of, the, um, of the clocks, which affects, it's not just the time change and that one week or two that people may be uh, affected, or even a few days, and some people aren't affected at all. The fact that if you have daylight saving time year-round, you would have four months of uh, effect. So you're talking about four months of effect. And what happened was, in 1974, there was an energy crisis that was caused by an oil embargo. And the government was looking for ways to save energy. So they thought one way would be to extend daylight saving time year-round. So they passed a temporary extension of daylight saving time year-round for two years. Well, what happened is, the first time, the first year came around, and when people actually had it in the winter, daylight saving time in the winter, it became very, very unpopular very quickly nationwide. And so uh, people didn't like getting up in the pitch dark, going to work in the pitch dark, uh, sending their kids to school in the dark. It was very unpleasant and people didn't like it. And so what happened was, even though it was only a two-year, uh, uh, two-year experiment, uh, the popular opinion caused Congress to repeal the second year of the, of the two years. And they so only had daylight saving time in the winter for one year in 1974 because it was so unpopular. So you have to think about that. It's not just the time change. It's the four months of getting up in the dark and in, in northern parts of the country in the dark and cold. Uh, uh, and... Uh, it, as I said, when it was actually tried, it's easy to think about just not changing your clock. Mm-hmm. But when it was actually tried, it was very unpopular. Dr. Malo, from a health perspective, you think permanent standard time, like Arizona and Hawaii, is the best answer. Why? I do. I think permanent standard time is the healthy choice. And I think Representative Freiberg makes some great points. You know, some of us really do prefer that light in the evening, playing tennis, golf, whatever. But there are a lot of vulnerable people who can't necessarily sleep in or, you know, roll out of bed and get on a Zoom meeting at 7 a.m. and work from home. The people who have to actually get in their cars and drive to work at 6, 6.30 in the morning are our, t- our students, our, our kids who have to go to school and need in- in-person learning, they need that morning light. And that's why I'm an advocate. And when you, when you don't get that morning light and when you get light too much 
too late in the day, like with the um, summer, with the daylight saving time, you get sleep deprived. And and that is a major health issue. It, it leads to us putting on weight, more risk for diabetes, heart disease. It even affects um, our our ability to, you know, our mood. You know, think about when you haven't slept well. You're more likely to send that nasty tweet or email that you'll regret later. And our kids, they're really stressed right now. And they're more at risk for self-harm and depression when they're not getting that sleep that they need, that, that really precious sleep they need to get at night. And that's why I'm an advocate for the permanent standard time for those vulnerable populations that can't control their, you know, their work hours or their school hours. Now, David, in 2007, you helped the Bush administration put us on the March to November daylight saving time schedule we have now. And you think we should keep it that way. Why? Right. Well, as I said, we've tried year-round daylight saving time and nobody liked it. I had a lot of problems. So that's a real, that's, that's real. That's not, uh, you know, figurative. Um, so it, it is a, it is a pain and it is, a, it does have an impact on many people, the change of time, but the fact that you're making a change that affects four months of the year, uh, in the winter, uh, you have more light in the winter, uh, in, in the winter mornings. And that's proven very, very, uh, useful and very popular. And yet you still have the benefits of daylight saving time. Most of the year in 19, in, um, in 2008, or 20, when we passed that last law, that last law was actually 2007 that took uh, into effect. Um, the idea was to extend daylight saving time for as long as we could and yet not get into very dark winter mornings. And that's why we extended it a little bit in the spring and a little bit in the fall. And now it starts at the uh, second week in March to the first week in November. And that was about as far as we felt we could go without uh, starting to have really uh, very dark mornings. And so that's that's what we did. If you had daylight saving time in the winter, for example, you would have sunrises around 8.30 in places like New York, Chicago, San Francisco, Dallas, Denver. And you'd have sunrises about 9 a.m. in places like Detroit, Indianapolis, Minneapolis, and Seattle. So a lot of those people would be waking up in the dark, going to work in the dark, sending their kids to school in the dark. And uh, as I said, it's proven very unpopular and very negative, especially colder areas as well, which is dark and cold. We're discussing why we're changing our clocks again this weekend. We'll hear more from you and our guests in a moment. And a reminder to have your questions answered on future topics or just to let us know what you think, tweet us at 1A. Support for NPR and the following message come from BetterHelp, offering online counseling. BetterHelp therapist Hesu Jo knows that lockdown has been hard on us as humans. We as people are hardwired to connect with others, which is why this whole time is so difficult. The connection that happens between people can be very powerful and how healing it can be to have a healthy relationship with someone. To get matched with a counselor within 48 hours and save 10%, go to BetterHelp.com slash 1A. Over this last year and a half, the world's been through a lot. So on this season of the StoryCorps podcast, we'll hear stories reminding us that even when times are hard, we can still begin again. Listen to our new season wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get back to discussing daylight saving time. 
We got this email from Laura who says, I haven't heard anything about where you live in the country as related to the time zone. I live in Indiana near the western border of the eastern time zone, and the sun comes up and sets here almost an hour later than the east coast. Therefore, the time change should be a state-by-state decision. I'd like to stay on, I'd like to stay on standard time year-round. We don't need it to stay light until after 10 p.m. in the summer and stay dark until 8 a.m. in the winter. And Cynthia tweeted, this seems to be a debate predicated on where you live. The farther south, the more you want light at the end of the day so you can still get something done after work. David, how much of this is driven by geography? Yes, well, each uh, area of the country has different uh, situation with light. And when we, when I was working uh, on these uh, these bills for Congress and for the federal government, we had to try to balance the problems of the north and the south and the east and the west and the, what part of the time zone you're in. And so it's it's very hard. But that's why we tried to come up with what we felt was a reasonable compromise uh, that would uh, give the benefits of daylight saving time for most of the year and yet not have the negatives for for the darkest uh, months of the year. And, and that's, what, that's what we did. But it is definitely different. It, different. it affects different people in different places. But when we had the when we actually tried the year on daylight saving time in 1974, it was unpopular nationwide. Well, a 2019 Associated Press poll found that 7 in 10 Americans agree that they would rather not change the clocks twice a year. And that's what we heard from a lot of you. Hi, this is Kevin calling from Buffalo, New York. Just wanted to say that changing the clocks, in my opinion, doesn't make sense at all anymore. Throwing your energy off and trying to adjust to things for a week Twice a year just doesn't make any sense. So I'm a complete advocate behind having a consistent clock pattern throughout the year. Hi, my name is Veronica from Morrisville, North Carolina. Daylight savings time reminds me of the farming schedule. Nowadays, that schedule doesn't really apply to most people. um, And yet we still have daylight savings time so that we could have that extra hour of sun throughout the year. However, in the winter, it really just makes me more tired and oftentimes makes me late for work the following Monday. Thanks for those messages. Now, Mike, the push in Congress right now to move to permanent uh, daylight saving time is bipartisan. Was the same true for you locally? Very much so. Yeah, um, I consider myself a fairly liberal Democratic member of the legislature. Um, Minnesota is one of the only states in the country that has a divided legislature right now. So the house where I am is controlled by the Democrats. The state Senate is controlled by the Republicans. Um, The Senate author of the bill is a very conservative uh, state senator from from a more rural area than I represent. So, and then we have a fairly long list of co-authors on the bill as on the both bills as well. And they run the gamut um, in terms of both party ideology, uh, geography as well. And I mean, certain, and I know that's the case in Congress as well. And just going back to the earlier point too about whether geography matters, I mean, I think there is a national desire for consistency, like your uh, listeners just mentioned. The states that have adopted the permanent daylight saving time approach are all over the country. They're both conservative and liberal. Every corner is represented. So Florida, California, 
Washington, Maine, um, you know, northern states like Minnesota, Montana, Idaho, Washington, southern states like Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia. These are all states that have um, that have adopted a permanent uh, permanent daylight saving time bill once authorized by Congress. Well, in in Minnesota, what were you able to coalesce around? Was it just you know not changing clocks? Was it about you know kids getting consistent sleep? What what seemed to really stick with people? Honestly, it's honestly, I would say it depends on the person. And that's true for, uh, you know, your listeners who are calling in. And that's true for elected officials as well. I mean, I think some elected officials prefer just not changing the clocks. Some elected officials supported it because they specifically prefer an an approach that has more daylight in the evening as opposed to the morning. Um, Some you know, some legislators are very conservative and see this as government overreach, you know, of adjusting clocks in the middle of the year. So, you know, I would I would say there's it's a unique coalition of legislators, kind of unlike any other issue I've worked on uh, that supported this legislation. And they have a variety of reasons for wanting it. Well, we have some listeners, quite a few actually, who have a creative solution to this issue that goes along the lines of this email from Larry, who says, why not split the difference between standard and daylight saving time by a half hour? Then don't change. That would reduce the extremes of either times that people object to. And Joyce emailed, what if at 2 a.m. Sunday, we change the clocks to 1.30 a.m., then just leave it there all year? Well, we also got this email from Kyle who says, I would love to have standard time all year long. Employers and schools are free to shift working hours to have the same effect as shifting the clocks. And Peggy emailed, seems simple. If you want to get more daylight in the afternoon, open your business an hour early. Why mess with the clock? David, what do you think about about that idea that if you really want that hour, you just, you know, you shift your hours of operation, whether you're an employer or you're a school? Well, that was tried uh, several times in several places and didn't work. And the reason that it doesn't work is that some people shift, some people don't shift. Nobody knows what hours things are open. And uh, so it became very unpopular very quickly and sounded good uh, when it started. But that's what happened. It be- nobody knew which places were open, which places were closed and when they were. And uh so it, it didn't work. It's the same thing, as I said, with, with the daylight saving time that we year-round that we had in, in the 1970s, everybody liked it before it started. I mean, that's what you're hearing a lot of your listeners now. Sounds very good not to have to change your clock. But when they actually tried it, they found that it was a lot worse. The effect was a lot worse than what they thought because the effect was not the change of the clock, but it was the, sun, the, uh, the uh, late sunrises all went along. We also got this email from Stanley who says daylight saving time has a reason and a purpose. One way that the removal of DST would be dealt with is by entities changing the start and end times of things on their own at different times and by different amounts even. That would make for real chaos. Keep daylight saving time. Mike, what do you think about the kind of chaos Stanley predicts if we change the system? Uh, I think it's overstated. I mean, I was not around uh, when the change that they're describing was made in the uh, 1970s. Uh, I do think there's a lot of support uh, for a consistent clock schedule. And within that support, I think there's a lot of support for uh, permanent daylight saving time. You know, I think people are 
able to adjust. I think it'll be easier, in fact, if there's no clock changes. Um, I think things will be consistent then. I mean, people, you know, there are states that have time zone boundaries running through them. And as far as I know, the world hasn't ended in those states. So um, I think it'll, I, do, I don't see a huge amount of problems in the event we move to daylight saving time permanently. I see the opposite, in fact, because we will be on a consistent schedule and not have to change our clocks. Well, there's another time change just around the corner again coming up this weekend. You said in the past you had some challenges adjusting your kids' sleep schedules. How are you preparing for this current change? Uh, well, this, I mean, I kind of view this one as the easier one mm -hmm. just because, uh, you know, they get an extra hour of sleep. So, um, so this one isn't, isn't as bad. It's the, it's the, uh, springing forward that I don't like because you lose an hour of sleep. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll make do they're older now. So it's, so it's a little easier for them just to, you know, for them to plan things out. Um, there's, we don't really do anything magical, but we usually make it through. Well, Dr. Mallow, again, unless something changes in the next week, most of the U.S. will be setting their clocks back an hour this weekend. And I think we always expect that spring ahead to be the, <laughs> to be the real challenge. But is there anything we should think about in terms of preparing our bodies for the change that's happening on, on Sunday? Yeah, I think there's a few things. I agree with, with Representative Freiberg. This is the, the easier one, but you can still do things that will make it easier. So take advantage of that extra hour of sleep to set some new habits. Go to bed when you normally would on Saturday night and just bask in that extra hour of sleep you're going to have and how better you feel the next day. And then really commit to getting more sleep going forward. And um, that might mean going to bed earlier, but it will be easier to do because it's going to be getting dark earlier. And then the other thing is around 5 p.m. when it's dark, resist that urge to get your coffee, your Coke. Um, your energy level will slump potentially, right, from the lack of light. So get out there, try to exercise, go to the gym, go for a walk, do something online. And don't have endless happy hour, right? So don't start your, um, your alcoholic beverage earlier just because it's darker. Uh, really try to focus on healthy habits. Well, it's never too early to start thinking ahead. What about in the spring, which is, I think, when a lot of us struggle? How should we prepare for that change? Yeah, so that's the harder one, right? And I think that your listener who said try to adjust your schedule by going to bed around 15 to 20 minutes earlier each day is great advice. And then we've talked a lot about light today and how light is our guide and, and really synchronizes us. So getting exposed to that bright light uh, in March when we make that change is really important because that's going to basically get us back on schedule as best as we can. And then again, all the sleep hygiene things I mentioned, you know, being sure to limit caffeine and alcohol, especially in the afternoon and evening, turning off those phones, uh, being sure that if you do have some sort of sleep issue, you get it checked out like sleep apnea, restless legs, whatever, so that you can be at your best. That was Dr. Beth Mallow. She's the director of the sleep division at Vanderbilt University Medical Center. Also with us today, David Peral. He's the author of Seize the Daylight, the curious and contentious story of daylight saving time. And Minnesota State Representative Mike Freiberg. He's a Democrat who represents a suburb of Minneapolis. Thanks to you all.
Well, we will wrap on this email from Bruce who says, I only have one complaint about changing time. I collect clocks. I have 53 in the house. I have to start the week before to change them all. Well, Bruce, Godspeed. Today's producer was Amanda Williams. Our podcast is produced by Barb Anguiano. This program comes to you from WAMU, part of American University in Washington, distributed by NPR. I'm Jen White. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk again tomorrow. This is 1A.